Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Sugar Mama's Fireplay. I am financial planner, Canna Campbell. Today's podcast is going to be a bit of a morbid one. It's really serious and it's really important. So much so that I've actually got an expert working with me on this podcast, Lucy from Head and Heart Estate Planning. Now, I know there are people out there listening to this going, Canna, I, I have no assets. I have no children. I have no responsibilities. Like, I don't need to worry about this stuff. Like, no, no, you, you do. Let's be serious. Let's be honest. You probably have some superannuation money. You probably have some debts, even not necessarily credit card debt as such, but if something was to suddenly happen to you, there'd probably be some outstanding charges. You might even have a little bit of some savings somewhere, or you might even have some assets such as a car or, you know, some gadgets, or maybe even a really fantastic um, handbag collection and some jewelry, or perhaps some of the belongings you have are not necessarily worth anything financially, but they're worth something to you emotionally. And the good thing is, is I know it's a bit of a depressing subject to talk about, but once you set up correctly, other than just checking in every now and again, when your life changes, you don't need to really do this again. It'd be like superannuation, get it set up correctly, the right way, and then you've got peace of mind. So we are joined, as I said, by Lucy Percy from Head and Heart Estate Planning. And no, this podcast is not sponsored. I'm leaning on Lucy because as a qualified financial planner, estate planning is out of my scope. I, I'm not qualified to talk to you about this area. And I also need to learn a lot more myself. So this is going to be a great podcast for you and for me listening together and learning all the time. Lucy, thank you so much for joining me today on, on this week's podcast. Uh, yeah. Whereabouts are you based? I'm in Melbourne um, and do a little bit of work in New South Wales as well on the border in Albury. And now I actually found out about you and connected to you through an account called Deliberate Intention, Monica. Now, we had, I'm going to give Monica a really quick shout out because she is a really important, amazing and beautiful person on this planet. Monica very sadly lost her husband a couple of months ago due to cancer, um, terminal brain cancer. And he was very young. Um, and I was following him, you know, following her, I should say, um, for quite some time watching them go through all the treatments and medications and obviously always um, filling their lives full of hope and faith as as we all were as we were watching along and and very sadly you know he, he passed away but in Monica sharing her journey sharing her grieving process she still had the strength to bang the drum about the importance of not only being financially intelligent and informed, but also taking responsibility, uh, you know, with, with your estate planning needs. All right, so let's get started. Why do we need a will? Yeah, what's my elevator speech? Um, <laughs> or pitch rather. Well, uh, first of all, the distinction I always make is that everybody needs an estate plan and not just a will. So a will only operates and contemplates after death. And I want you to stop and think about um, who would take control and step in your shoes if you were alive but couldn't make decisions for yourself. So yeah. I actually don't price, uh, I don't have a price for my wills. I insist everyone gets the whole package. Okay. <laughs> I think comprehensive yeah. holistic advice. Uh, same with financial yeah. planning. Like don't just come to see me for this because there's mm -hmm. probably, you know, for uh, an engine to work, you need to know that all the different parts of the engine are all working properly so that you get efficiency yeah. and get to your destination quickly and smoothly like I totally agree with that yeah 
Yeah. yeah, so it's the plan. And the plan is um, not just before and after death, but I want you to think about what assets are inside and outside your estate. And that's probably a really brand new concept for, I'm going to say, almost everyone listening to this episode. But not all of your assets can be gifted by your will. And you need to understand that and know what's going to come in and what needs a succession plan on top of your will um, when you do your planning your uh, superannuation is not automatically an asset of your estate you have to take steps to bring it in and so uh, there are you know the online uh, bots the will kits um, maybe lawyers who dabble in this area but don't do it very often they're not going to stop and say look let's work collaboratively with your financial planner and figure out the best tax environment for your super or um, you know who you want your super to go to are they actually a permitted beneficiary so um, yeah we talk about in uh, assets inside and outside the estate and um, control and gifting before and after death them are two really big distinctions with a will and an estate plan if I'm that I think some people think I'm young I'm healthy I don't need it nothing's going to happen to me and my comment to that is I do estate planning for families all the time who have received a terminal diagnosis and that's when they make the inquiry and you know come into my office and we make the decisions it is harder to make those decisions when you know the order of death between you and when you're contemplating a real circumstance it is not easier so don't wait for that um and every single person i talk to who has a terminal diagnosis and they say yeah i wish that we had have done this when we were healthy and my best advice is number one you don't always get an opportunity to plan um people have accidents and injuries that mean they don't get that chance to plan but even for the families who are aware that they're going to die it's definitely not easier it's harder yeah um that's my experience with that all right so for the people listening and they're like all right okay i get it i get get it lucy i need to i need to get a will set up and i need to do it quickly and then i you know where do i where does one start like i know for a fact that those will kits from the post office, which cost two for $20, are not worth the paper they're written on. I have a free course that um, teaches you about how to choose a guardian for your children. So if that is an issue for you, I find that that's sometimes a threshold question that people need to cross and then they move through the steps. It also teaches you what would actually happen to the inheritance. So how does the inheritance for your children get accessed by the guardian until your children are old enough? So that's a free resource that's great. Um, and I have a couple of others on my website as well for people who have separated and divorced. Can you explain to people why having a, a testamentary trust in your estate planning wishes can help? Yeah, of course. I'm going to use myself as an example or the case study here. So I am married with three children. Yeah. Um, I am self-employed, so I'm a lawyer and I am a director of my own company, which means that I am um, at high risk of being sued. Yeah. Um, and so has my husband in the past. He's not at the minute, but he's also been a company director um, and electrician. So again, another high risk occupation. Yeah. We have included a testamentary trust in our will for three reasons. So the first is um, asset protection. And the way that that works is that in a basic will, my will would say I give everything um, to my husband, Nicholas Percy, for his use and benefit, absolutely. And that means that from the day that I die, he is entitled to all of that. And let's say my only asset is a million dollars in life insurance. He's getting a million dollars cash entitlement from that day. Yeah. 
I want to protect that million dollars for my children. And the way that you do that with the trust is you say, instead of Nick inheriting in his name personally, which means that all of that money is at risk if a, if a risk event happens to him personally, the trust is a vehicle that holds the property. So the trust is the beneficiary. A testamentary trust is exactly the same as what people might know as a family trust. Yep. But the only difference is it can only be created in a will. You can't create these in any other environment mm-hmm. and it only becomes alive on the death of the will maker. So instead yep. of Nick holding the inheritance, the trust holds the inheritance and Nick and my children are beneficiaries. Yeah. So it's kind That's- of like pushing all of your, that million dollars life insurance policy, instead of getting paid directly to your husband, gets put into this shopping basket held in this mm-hmm. shopping basket for, you know, your husband and children there. It's uh, anyone that tries to uh, legally attack um, or even financially attack your husband, yeah. um, they have will never have any claim upon that million dollars worth of life insurance in that shopping basket because it's held within the protection and boundaries of the testamentary trust. Correct. It's a different legal entity and the great way to hammer that home is that Nick has his own personal tax return and tax file number and the trust has its own tax file number too. It's a legal entity mm. separate to separate. him. Mm. Yeah. So mm. what we've done in ours is it will go in there and that is going to protect it if Nick gets sued um, or is made bankrupt for any reason. Or also, and this is the one that people really sort of convert to the testamentary trust on, if Nick repartners or remarries and he dies before that second spouse, or he and that second spouse break up, my million dollars is not part of their marital asset pool. And it's also not part of Nick's estate when he dies, if she makes a claim. It just gives you that additional element of security and peace of mind. No, there is nothing like it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there is nothing like it. You can't create it in any other environment than a will. Um, even the family trusts do not have the same level of protection. And then the last benefit that I'm sure you're um, all across is the tax advantages. So where there's income that is produced by the testamentary trust, the tax office recognises that someone had to die for that money to go in that trust. Mm. And so the tax office says, well, the beneficiaries who are under 18, we're going to let them have up to approximately 20 grand each per annum tax-free and so for me if that was me and my family that would mean that um, with the three kids under 18 we could be drawing an income of 60 grand tax-free per annum um, which is incredible so you know again and again every example I give I'm like the the trust pays for itself um, if you ever have to rely on it exactly and also could I in that situation you know I'm about to have my third child could I have it in my testamentary trust or in my estate that I want, for example, that $20,000 tax-free per year to be paid particularly, you know, directly or only for exclusively for, say, school fees or university fees or, or so yeah. some form of tertiary education? Can you actually specify what that money, like how much is to go to each child and what it's actually for? Well, that is a really fantastic question. And the answer is um, not particularly. And the reason is this. The proper name for a testamentary trust is a discretionary testamentary trust. And that's the same with your family trusts. Mm. The asset protection only works because no one is entitled to a fixed amount. So no creditor can look at it and say, um, we're going to draw that out. 
my strategy with those clients who have really particular wishes is this. We make sure, number one, that we're putting the right people in the controlling seat of the trust, so the trustee. And if we trust the trustee completely, um, so the trustee gets to make day-to-day management decisions and distribution decisions. If we trust them completely, we don't need to hardwire those preferences in the trust. What we do is we leave them a letter, and um, I do this with every client. It's a template that um, I fill out to a certain point, and then you fill out, and it says, Dear Trustee, everything in my letter to my guardians, I want you to approve as a reasonable distribution. And, and so that would be, in the letter to the guardian, it would be, I want my children to go to this school. I, um, I have a preference for this type of healthcare. Um, I would like you to fund a holiday every year for my parents to come and visit the children or vice versa. So all of those values-based decisions, instead of putting in the trust deed, I put them in what's called the letter of wishes. Wow. Um, yeah, there are some circumstances, you're absolutely correct, where you would fix different entitlements and things like that. But for the general public, um, instead of amending the trust, we have the trust document and then to keep costs down and keep complexity down, we, we really focus on choosing the best trustees possible. Yeah, yeah. For my husband and I, we have chosen, I'm not sole trustee of his trust and he's not sole trustee of my trust. Mm-hmm. I'm going to work jointly with someone from his family and he's going to work jointly with someone from my family. So that's, you know, an example of how we've managed it. I'm one of those people who has really annoying, complicated requests in my <laughs> estate planning wishes. My wish, my wish list um, is is long and annoying. Um, I think I drove my estate planning specialist mental um, when I was a- when I was doing mine. And um, but the thing is, though, you you want to get it right. Like you've worked hard for everything, and you want to make sure that things end up in the right way. And you also want to make sure that your assets are protected. Um, I, I know for myself, there was particular assets that I own that I want to actually go to my, my parents. Um, but once they've been with my parents, I want to make sure that they can not be then distributed to my parents' estate, but be distributed back to my children for their benefit. Like there's so many little things that I was, I'm very particular about, but, and, and rightly so, everyone has has their wishes. Uh, what What about charities? I mean, there's been obviously a lot of, not a lot, uh, there should be more um, media about, uh, you know, trying to include a charity in, in your will. And this is also, I think, someone particularly valuable and important for people who don't necessarily, you know, those people that think, oh, I'm young, I don't have any children, you know, I don't need, you know, I don't need to leave my money to anyone, I don't care. Well, your, your life insurance attached, you know, to your superannuation or your um, you actually might even have a, a, an insurance policy that you're not even aware of because it's attached to, say, a credit card or a health insurance yeah. policy. Um, you know, what? Is, how do we include a charity in our estate planning wishes on that wish list? Yeah, absolutely. I do a lot of work with um, families, and so not a lot of my clients gift other than to their children. That's a lot by virtue of, um, you know, my Instagram and, you know, really attracts that. But Every, uh, every year I do do some really meaningful work with um, maybe professionals who don't have um, a large extended family mm. and they say, I just want to do something meaningful. And so a couple of things um, that we've done, number one, we take time to talk about um, their values and um, what different charitable organisations might suit mm-hmm. them um, yeah. and the amount and percentages of gifting. 
and the other thing that we've done before in the past is um, this was one will that I really loved. This woman said, I've got, she had quite a lot of wealth and she said, I've got lots of nieces and nephews. All of them are really well provided for by their parents. They'll never be wanting. I want to do something with a charity. How can we make it fun? Yeah. And so what we did was we said every niece and nephew will get one share of the estate for themselves and one equal share to gift to a charity of their choice. And so it was putting it back in the hands of the beneficiaries. And I just thought, as a beneficiary, I would love that. You know, you get one share for you and one share to donate yourself. And I just, we loved it and the client loved it. Um, I suppose the answer is talk to your lawyer. Like We do have, um, you know, solutions and um, suggestions. So, yeah, they can be really meaningful too. In my will, I have left the $1,000 project for a charity so that it can, oh, well, really? it can continue on, the passive income can continue on sponsoring more and more girls, hopefully growing every year. Um, and yeah, but that, that, these are little things that, you know, are, are important and it again gives that additional comfort through such a, you know, potentially, well, not potentially, a distressing time that, that could, you know, or one day will, will happen. What are the key changes in a life where you go, oh my goodness, my will is so old, um, or, or something, some, something has suddenly changed. Like what are the key things that happen in our life where we discover, okay, I need to change my will or I need to check it or update it. Or um, Lucy, thank you so much for coming on to the Sugar Mama's um, Fire Play podcast. I really appreciate it. For everyone who's listening to this podcast right now, please stop and take the time to think about your situation. What assets you've got, what liabilities you've got. What would you, where would you want your belongings to end up? If you can't think about it, think about where's the last place you'd want your belongings to end up. You know, as Lucy has shared, if, if you've separated from your partner but not aren't, are not officially divorced, think about them taking control of your assets and what they would do to that. So that might be the quick um, kick up the bum to actually do something about it. Think about also a charity that you would like to include, something as Lucy said that matches your value systems, is important to you, and that can where you can help make a difference before uh, even after leaving this earth it's a tough subject it's a confronting subject it's an uncomfortable subject but I'm telling you from personal experience when you have your when you actually spend some time thinking about what you want and why there is a level of comfort and peace of mind knowing that if anything was to suddenly happen or gradually happen you and what you stand for and what you've, what you've worked hard for is going to end up in the right hands. And those right hands are going to honour and respect what you have stood for and what you've worked for. Set it up right, set it up correctly, and then continue on living your life to the maximum every single step of the day. Because every single minute, every single hour, every single day that we have here is a blessing. Lucy, thank you so much for your time. Um, for anyone interested in, in reaching out to you at Head and Heart Estate Planning, how's the best way of getting in contact with you? Yeah, um, I reckon the gateway is on my Instagram. So Head and Heart Estate Planning, the website is by the same name, but my Instagram handle has, you know, all of those link in bios. So you can find the course, website, um, all of that. So I think that's the easiest. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening. If you could take a second to leave a rating and review, I would greatly appreciate it. And once again, thank you very much to Lucy Percy from Head and Heart Estate Planning. Enjoy the rest of your week, everyone, and I'll see you on Thursday on YouTube for Sugar Mama TV. Ciao for now.